Well, amen. What an awesome morning, huh? Just entering into his presence. God's showing up. You've shown up. You're here. And uh, so excited about what the Lord is going to do. If you're online or in person, uh, you will need uh, a card. So if you're at home, maybe grab a piece of paper or an index card. Those of you in here, hopefully as you came in, our ushers gave you one of these. If not, get your hand up and they're going to get it to you. We get to participate in church, amen? It's something that invites our participation. It's an invitation from the Lord. And, you know, at the end of the day, I was thinking about this. We just sang about Hail King Jesus. And in the last couple of weeks, many of us have known that there was a coronation of a king overseas. A, a king that, that King Charles that was uh, coronated, millions and millions of people watching, very few had seats, very few were friends or VIPs that were invited to be a part of that. In fact, there was even a celebrity that went viral on social media because their seat was hard for them to find. And, and it's interesting, isn't it, that you and I are every day, if we know Jesus, are invited into the king's presence. We're invited into a space with him where he wants to show up, where he wants to say, you're my son, my daughter, you're, my, you know, you're a friend of mine. As we look at this today, the message title is The Friend Zone, and these four cones I have up here signify the friend zone, all right? Can you picture it? This is that space where we might say, this is my friend zone. These are the people I allow in. These are the people that are invited. These are the things that are invited, and as we look at this issue today, some of you, just that term, friend zone, takes you back to the day, takes you back to that place and that moment when someone puts you in the friend zone. I, I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, my wife Cindy was in the first service. She tried to friend zone me, y'all. When we met, she was not interested in a serious relationship at the time. She kept kind of, you know, stiff arming me and giving me the, you know, like, hey, we're gonna be friends kind of thing. And uh, in fact, I'll, I'll show you this picture. Uh, this, this is a great way to just visually understand what the friend zone is. Right? It's that space where one of you is saying, hey, I have a deeper intent here. Like, I, I think I like you. I might even love you. And then you have the other kind of friend zone in them, right? I put that up because I, I'm so thankful that in that space, when Cindy and I were both at the end of our senior year in college and had met, as she's trying to friend zone me, I'm like, nope, that's not my intent. My intent is I think you could be somebody I could spend my life with. You are somebody that, and, and we have to declare our intent if we're going to get out of that friend zone. It's interesting how Jesus, King Jesus, declares his intent for you and I. That, that in fact, he invites you and I to be his friends, but also his sons, his daughters. In fact, in scripture, one of the most used uh, metaphors as far as the body of Christ, you and I, is that we're actually the bride of Christ. That isn't this, that's this. That is a God who says, I wanna work in this space and in this zone, invite you to something more. That's my intent for you. Keep this all in mind as we go to James. We're in the book of James, so turn to chapter four. And as we turn there, uh, and look at this. We're going to look at the first three verses to start out. It, it says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, 
that your passions, say passions, your passions are at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. And you might sit there and go, well, I, don't, I haven't murdered anyone. You know what Jesus said? He said, well, even when we think with anger or you know, hatred towards somebody, it's as if we've committed murder. Goes on to say, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your what? On your passions, your passions. I wanna pause here for a minute. The word there for passions is the Greek word hedone. Hedone is where we get the word hedonism. It, it actually is a word that means enjoyments or pleasure and you and I need to, if we're here on the Treasure Coast, recognize we live in paradise. Yes. Come on. This is a beautiful place. It has a lot to offer. It has a lot of things to enjoy that could become passions that actually enter in in a way that might have been healthy at one point, but might actually over time be actually getting in the way of what the Lord has because these passions, these enjoyments in life can go further than they were meant to go. Listen to what pastor and author Charles Swindle says. He's about this passage. He says, passions included the desire to be successful, the desire to use your gifts and talents, the desire for relationships, for food, for leisure, for the necessities of life. But the problem comes when the world frustrates our achievement of these desires. Then the pleasures of life become sources of conflict. When something steps in the way of fulfilling our desires, our tendency is to fight until we get our way. Until we get our way. Anybody else want to acknowledge like, ooh, that just read me my mail. That's an old saying. Maybe it's ready email now or Snapchat, I don't know. But at the end of the day, it hits at home because it's these desires, these passions that can get in the way and lead us into fights and quarrels with others, but also even with God. Now, look at what James says, verse four and five. He says, you adulterous people. He said it, I read it. That was kind of a joke. Some of you are like, did he just call me adulterous? He, he, he's actually calling us that. If we have things that are compromised in the friend zone, that we're cheating on God, and he goes further, listen to what he says here. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has put in us. If you're taking notes, which by the way, we supply kind of a fill in the blank template at pathwayvb.com FYI. You can get that any week. If you're taking notes, the friend zone, God commands us to defriend the world and befriend him. He's saying that some of us have compromised and have a friendship with the world and it's time to defriend the world, right? Take it out of the friend zone and be who God has created us to be by befriending him. 
Now this idea of, of his spirit and, and put inside of us and the jealousy that God has for you and I, where does some of that get reinforced in scripture? Let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. The apostle Paul says it this way. He says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we, those are, that are believers in Jesus Christ, are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be what? Separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. He's saying, listen, I have radically changed what religion looked like. You see, in the Old Testament, there was a temple. There was a tabernacle and a temple. The presence of God dwelled in that. And, and when Jesus died, the curtain was torn in two, giving access through Jesus to the holy of holies, to the presence of God. But when Jesus ascended to the right hand, he told them, behold, spirit, my power will come on you. And when it does, you're now gonna be witnesses. So at Pentecost, when the Spirit was given, can you imagine what that was like? All of these years where this presence of God was only available in the temple, and now God was saying, my presence, my Spirit is going to dwell, not in fallen humanity, but redeemed humanity. And, and so as a result, God says, you're now in this new zone with me. You're my son, you're my daughter, my spirit is inside of you and I don't want you to befriend the world and compromise the things that I have and what I want to do. So there, there's a couple of things that mess up the friend zone. James names them in the first five verses. Let's look at them. The first is our passions. That actually you and I can have passions, enjoyments in life that can lead into excess and sin, things that are worldly and separate us from God and what he has for us and what his best is. He also said our prayerlessness. And when we think about that, verse three and four, maybe you caught it, it's not sometimes that we aren't praying, it's just all we're praying for is our passions. All we're praying for is our desires. And that's scripturally and theologically not real prayer. Prayer is actually something that invites me into the presence of God to both talk to God, but to also be shaped by God, to hear from God, whether it's through his word or a prompting, that begins to change my heart to get in alignment with his. My passions and desires become his by really praying and allowing him to move in the ways he wants to. So he's saying that our friend zone is messed up when we're allowing other passions and prayerlessness to cloud it, to clutter it, and to get in the way. Now, let's look at this issue of passions for a minute. You have an index card in the chair backs, if you're here in front, or here on site, in those chair backs in front of you, there are pens. Go ahead and pull one out, and uh, this is for you to write on as, as we look at this issue of passions. As we look at it, the reality is that there are some passions that are in our friend zone that God wants to deal with today. 
And as we look at that, and as we think about what does it mean for us today, this is actually my index card. Aren't you glad that yours isn't on camera right now? Okay, so picture, this is my index card in the friend zone. You're doing the same thing. You're allowing God to reveal to you. <laughs> I got so distracted when they, hey, what's up? Um, squirrel. That uh, happened first service too. I was like, is it going to happen again? Oh, there I am. Help pray for your pastor, right? So this index card idea and, and what God has. Think about some of the passions. And, and what I did is I, I went to our staff and I said, hey, give me some ideas of some of the passions that, that some of us may be struggling with, maybe personally and otherwise. And so we're gonna get, just get some of them up here. Uh, some of us, it may be judgmental. That if we're honest, like the scripture talks about, we're judgmental. We may be jealous, coveting what others have. We may be greedy, looking around and wanting, and, and, and that's leading to the jealousy, right? It could be uh, things like food. Did you know that gluttony is something that in excess, right, it can become a negative? Maybe it's uh, anger. And we'll just put up here uh, next to this road rage, and I was thinking today like HOA rage probably could be up there too. <laughs> it's a thing in uh, Vero from what I can tell. Uh, <laughs> Slothfulness is another one. You know, maybe we're being just lulled to sleep by the beautiful Treasure Coast. We're apathetic, we're complacent, we're slothful. We're not doing the things we should do, maybe spiritually or with our life. Maybe there's uh, an issue, and, and this one needs to be named, with lust, and we'll just put up here porn. Do you know that statistically, right now, that 70% of Christian men in the church are regularly viewing pornography. Do not look at your neighbor right now. 87% statistically of Christian women, 87% have admitted they have viewed pornography at some point. 50% of pastors, 50% of pastors in our country right now this is something that has to be brought into the light. Because if that's showing up in our friend zone, it's affecting our relationship with God and with others. And we have to be able to tell the truth and name the truth. And we're a church that will continue to bring things into the light and to do that, amen? And to provide help. You know, another one, uh, entertainment. You know, something that can begin innocently, but maybe it's, the amount of entertainment, or maybe it's the kind of entertainment. I mean, I don't know what your index card looks like right now, and, and like I said, you're glad it's not on camera, but at the end of the day, between you and the Lord right now, I want to encourage you as this goes on, write down the things that actually are the passions that might be getting in the way. This is not a complete list. You know what yours are. Get them on that card. We'll do something with it later. Amen? Now, as you think about that, it, it could be a moment where you're like, well, what do I do? I've tried. How do, I, how do I find help? How do I get free of these things? How do I get them out of my friend zone? And the beauty of God's word is there's always an answer. And that's what James provides next. Let's look at it. Verses uh, six through 10 say this. But he gives more grace. Say but. 
Anytime there's a but in the Bible, something good is typically coming, okay? And he's saying there's more grace. There's a greater grace that God gives, and here's when it happens. He says, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. What is James getting at? There is a humility that's required to bring things to God and to humbly say, God, forgive me, I need your help. God, I repent of this. I turn a new way. As we do that, he's saying that there can be a difference between our head and our heart. That there can be moments where our head knows we need to ask for forgiveness and we need to repent and we need to do something, but maybe our heart hasn't got there yet. So there's an emotional gap there. He's saying the two should be connected that we should recognize as David did in the Old Testament. When he was caught in sin, what did he do? He repented and he said, God, against you only have I sinned. And his heart was broken because he realized that he had failed and it's in that space James is saying that, that, yes, we can have joy at the grace of God. We can have peace at the mercy of God. But may we not miss the grieving of what these things have done to our relationship with God and others. There is a consequence for every sin. He's saying we should allow ourselves space to feel that. That's godly repentance. Verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. There is such good news in these few verses, because when we humble ourselves, when we deal with the stuff in this zone that shouldn't be there, God promises to exalt us. As we look at this greater grace and how it grows, if you're taking notes, again, God's grace grows when we come to him humbly. When we come to him humbly, his grace grows in our life. And so what fixes our friend zone? There's a couple of things that we see in the passage. One is our submission to God. He then says our resistance, we resist the devil. And did you catch the promise? It says he will flee from us. That's really good news. And then in that posture, he draws near. God draws near to us. So think about it. You have something in here and you've heard verse seven and eight, and you go, okay, I need to resist the devil and he will flee. That's like the army soldier that's no longer with the army that puts on his uniform and thinks that he has any authority outside of the general. Ooh, church. You, you see, we can have the part and we can look the part, but if we don't first submit to God, we've missed the power that actually comes in that act of resistance. You see, we don't come in our own power and authority. We submit to God's. And when we're submitted to God's power and authority, that's how we're then able to resist the devil with the same power and authority, and he does flee. We live in a day and age right now that we have to be really careful what we're submitted to. I have seen in the last few weeks even things out there you know, the Bible talks about in the end times, people will be lovers of themselves. They will actually go after what their itching ears please them. 
Meaning you can turn on different pastors, different teachers, and, and you can even like push fast forward. Like right now you're watching this live if you're in person or online, but in a playback you could go, oh, I don't like what he said today. Click, next message. Click to the next pastor. And the dangerous thing about that is if our standard isn't submission to God and to his word, there are pastors out there, I saw this recently, one that is actually teaching that pornography is good for a marriage because it keeps us from committing adultery. Did we forget that Jesus actually said to lust after a woman is to, to commit the act of adultery in the Sermon on the Mount? Y'all, we have got to be careful that we're not submitted to what our itching ears want and we're actually submitted to the truth of God's word. This is our standard. This is what we're submitting to. We may not like it. It may not show up in 2023 in a way that fits culture. Guess what? We're salt and light. Guess what? God has something to say about the things around us, so we submit to God, and then in that, we resist the devil, and there's a power and authority that he says the enemy will flee. That is really good news, and then God draws near to us. He draws close. So the other piece that's important here is to understand the difference between repentance and rebellion. Because we all have a choice in the friend zone. You have a choice right now to make a decision. Will I repent, which is an old theological scriptural word that means to turn from one way to God, to actually say, God, forgive me, and I'm turning now to you and allowing you to draw close in this. Or if we don't repent, we may choose to rebel. Now, some of you would be like, well, I'm, I, I'm not really rebelling. I'm just compromising on this area. Or, you know what? You, I don't think you understand why I do it. And you start over-explaining. You ever met somebody like that? Who over-explains and justifies why they're doing the things that they're doing? Scripture is really, really clear. And what I've learned in my life is that posture of defensiveness is a form of rebellion. My wife was in the first service and she would attest to the fact that 12, 15 years ago, I was one of the most defensive people you would ever meet. And I was a pastor at the time. God had to begin doing a work in humbling, in weeding out, because I had to see that that was actually an act of rebellion. It didn't show up in the ways that some other rebellious acts showed up, but it was something that was showing up in the friend zone and keeping me from experiencing the grace of God. So will we repent or will we rebel? Now, uh, our tech team's gonna help me here. We're gonna do something in a minute in an act of repentance that brings these things away from our friend zone and we have these tins on either side. It, we're gonna move this index card out of the friend zone and say, God, we're repenting we're resisting the enemy. We're getting this out of this space because we want you to do something new and fresh in this space. And I believe he wants that for each of you. You have a card. Keep writing. Keep getting it out. Keep being honest because we will respond at the end and get these hopefully out of our spaces. Amen? Amen. So let's see what he says next here. Actually, before we do that, I... Uh, I want to share with you a story. I was reminded of this this morning, and this idea. 
And uh, yeah, I, I want to share this. So about 10, 12 years ago, we were doing um, outreach in, in the inner city of, of Southwest Michigan in the area we were in. And uh, I had about 25 people with me, uh, youth and adults. Um, and we had gone into an area that was uh, quite dark and uh, it was an area where we were going in, submitted to God. We were going in to resist the enemy by you know, sharing God's love, sharing his light. And so in that space that day, we were passing out free food. I think it was hot dogs and you know, sharing the love of Jesus with people and connecting with them and praying with them and inviting them to the church. And it, we had done that before, but this particular day, this large vehicle, uh, I think it was a big Suburban, pulled up. Window goes down, and the man inside, who actually I realized, oh, I know him. I had spent some time with him. He said, hey, I need you to come over here for a minute. So I walk across the street, and he looks at me, and he goes, what are you doing in this neighborhood right now? What he was saying is, why are you in this zone right now that you shouldn't be in? Now, this is important to remember because God does call us to be salt and light, amen? So there will be times when we're submitted to God, where we've resisted the devil, and we're showing up in a place and trusting God to be God. And that's what happened that day. He, he looked at me and he said, you shouldn't be here right now, it's not safe. It's not safe for you, it's not safe for any of those with you. This neighborhood right now has a lot going on which was code for there is some violence brewing and you guys are not safe. I looked at him and I said, I'm not sure what to do. We felt like God wanted us here. We haven't had any issues. And he said, here's what we're gonna do. He said, for the next 10 minutes, we're gonna stand here and just catch up and we're gonna talk. And he said, that will put on notice the entire neighborhood that you're a friend of mine and to not mess with you. Now, on his forearm, he had a big tattoo, Frost. In a pre, on a previous meeting with him, I said, hey, uh, does Frost mean you're the ice man locally? He looked at me and said, yeah. <laughs> this was the guy. We had no issues that day. We hung out, we caught up. Here's how God works, right? When we're submitted to God and we resist the devil and we draw close to God, it doesn't matter where he leads us, God will also supply people, like I'll tell you, that was the best security guard I ever had. Love our safety team. But that day, I saw something. He knew who we were, he knew who we served, and he knew we needed protection in that neighborhood that day. God will sometimes even use things in the world to confound the wicked. As you think about this in your life, is your life submitted to him so that he can show up and start filling and doing things that only he could get credit for? Listen to what the next few verses say as we bring this section to a close today. In verse 11, he says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He was able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? What, what he's getting at here in many ways is this idea that 
you and I need to be all about his spirit, all about his will, that when we start playing God, judge and jury, we actually begin to hurt ourselves, our relationship with God and others around us. Verse 13, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. There's a place for planning, but our plans always should be submitted to God's will. Amen? He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And then this next verse, verse 17. For those of you that are my age or older, you remember the Nike Just Do It campaign? This is your Just Do It verse. James has been saying, listen, quit playing God, and now just do it. Do what you know is right. Do what you know you need to do. Get it out of the friend zone. Don't play any games. Allow God to be God. Verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. If you're taking notes, the friend zone is meant to be filled with the Spirit and it seeks God's will in all things. That you and I are meant to live in a friend zone that has repented and separated ourselves from things, that's actually positioned ourselves to be filled with the Spirit and to do God's will both with how we speak, but also our plans and how we live. And when you think about that and what it looks like in our lives, it is a just do it kind of moment. It's a moment where the Lord is, is, I believe, putting in front of us today something that will change our today and absolutely change our tomorrow. If we understand the friend zone and what God is asking and what he wants, and if we'll just do it and be obedient, God is gonna set in motion today things that will change your future, will change generations to follow you, will change the future of our church. Can you imagine if our church became a place where we radically, every time needed, we got it out of the friend zone? so that he could fill us with his presence and with his spirit. Let me be clear, scripture tells us that when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we also receive the Holy Spirit. But scripture is also clear that we have a flesh, that that flesh has to be dealt with, that that actually it's our flesh that often gets in the way of the spirit. That's why in Ephesians 5 verse 18, That verse actually is in a present tense. It says, be filled with the Spirit, which means ongoing, continually filled with the Spirit. And and so my heart and my prayer and my hope for my life and yours and our church is that we understand what it means to say, we're gonna guard, we're gonna protect. If God shows us something to repent of, we're gonna get it out. We're gonna get it rid of it because we wanna be close to him, we wanna be filled with his spirit, and that will change our church, it will change your life, it will change what God can do as we follow his will for the future. He has huge plans for your life and 
for the life of this church. And it's days like today that, that we may go, oh, that was not fun. That, that was hard to hear. And yet we go, but it's exactly what I needed to hear. It's exactly what God has been beginning to speak. My guess is you're not surprised today because at some level, if you've been coming around for a while, the Spirit has probably been leading you to a place to know that there's some things in your life that God wants to, to rid you of, to fill you fresh, fill you new, and lead you forward with him. So let me ask you three questions just to close today. The first is, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? You see, scripture's clear. If we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we will be saved. That's what it means to be saved by Jesus. But to make Jesus Lord means that we submit to King Jesus. We say, God, I didn't want to hear that, but I know I needed to. I'll do whatever you say. I'll do what you are showing me and what I know is right. Secondly, is there anything in your friend zone that shouldn't be? Is there anything on that card that should not be there that would indicate you're too much of a friend of the world? And God's saying, let's deal with it today. Let's get free of it today. That's the beauty of what God does is he sets us free to live the life he created us for. So third, will you draw near to Jesus today? And will you bring whatever is in the way to the altar? Up front, we have a lot of space. We have two kneeling benches. That's what the altar is. Up here on the altar, we've got uh, a couple of these tin cans for index cards. There's actually, all, all of them have many index cards from first service. Why? Because God is doing something today in that friend zone. Because he has more for you, he has more for me, he has more for our church. So what we've done is created plenty of space this morning for us to respond. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pray over us, and then we're gonna go into a couple of songs. One that just invites you to come to Jesus, to come to the altar, to lay down, to get rid of anything that's in the friend zone that shouldn't be. And, and I wanna encourage you, when you come forward, don't feel like it's drop the card and run. Remember who runs when we resist the devil? He does. So you take your time, you linger. You re realize that submitting to God and resisting the devil, that that act of resistance, he's the one running, you don't have to. You can sit, stand, linger in the presence of God because it also said in that text that he'll draw near to you. When you draw near to him, he wants to draw near to you, amen? So I'm gonna pray over us and pray us into this time. If you still don't have a card, just get your hand up, we'll get you one. This is the invitation. We are sons, we are daughters of the Most High. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, start there today. Come forward, lay it down, let somebody pray with you that you can invite Jesus into your life. Our passion here is not for church, first and foremost. It's for Jesus, first and foremost, who then says, when you know me, you're known in a church family and in a home, as a part of the body of Christ. He has a new friend zone for you, new people. So let me pray.
And then let's let the Spirit lead us forward. Father, we love you. We praise you. We are humbled knowing that your grace and your mercy, your love is available right now. Just as the prodigal son turned to you, you came running. So I thank you. It's in this moment, God, that we believe you're going to come running to a people that are humbling themselves and repenting. Forgive us for rebelling. Forgive us for holding on to our passions. Forgive us for our prayerlessness. Holy Spirit, have your way in this time. Fill this space. Fill our lives with you in new ways. As we come to the altar, ultimately we want to come to you. So draw near as we draw close to you. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen.